Welcome to the Avenger Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message from our Relationship Goal Series. Maybe you found your Romeo, maybe you're still waiting, uh, but regardless, we know that God is in control, that He is uh, always on time and never late, and today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, relationship goals. I want to welcome those of you tuning in online, wherever you're taking part today as well. If you're listening or watching, thank you for joining as well. Uh, we've been in this series, and I want to encourage you, please, 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 if you've missed any of these, go back and watch them. And the reality is the average person attends our church twice a month. So if you make it three or four, pat yourself on the back, that's good. But that means that you've probably missed at least one or maybe two of these messages, and they all play together, and it's important. I try to recap the best I can, but I just don't have time to really uh, adequately explain where we've been in, in, in light of what we're going to be talking about today. And so we've been looking at this idea of we see couples and we go, I, wanna, I want that, I want to get there, and... And uh, But where is that, and how do you get there, and how do you have relationship goals? And goals always require work, and relationships that work are because people work on their relationship, and they apply God's truth and principles, and relationships are challenging because we all have hopes, dreams, and desires, and most of the time, unintentionally, we bring those into the relationship, expecting the other person to fulfill those things for us. And the reality is, is that our hopes, dreams, and desires feel like expectations to those that we place them on. And we have to learn what it means to really be fulfilled in Christ and allow him to do those things in our life. Because the standard that he has for our relationships is that we approach them the way Christ Jesus approached us. And that he put us first. And that we don't expect them to do for us. We actually come into the relationship not expecting to receive anything, but knowing we're going to have to give everything. In healthy relationships, we get rid of this debt-debtor, transactional type of thing where I do for you, you do for me. It's no, I'll do for you regardless of what you do for me because I'm not really doing it for you, I'm doing it for him. And it's the foundation to this idea of called mutual submission, and it's critical to Christian marriage. And Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I'm giving you. This was a brand new idea culturally, what was happening, how women were treated, what the wife's responsibilities were versus the man's. But in all of our relationships, this was new. He says, a new command I'm giving you to love one another as I have loved you, you must. There's no option for a Christ follower. You must love others the way that I have already loved you. And as we know, Christ came and willingly gave his life for us. And last week we looked at Ephesians 5 where Paul gives the context to Christian marriage and relationships. And he says, listen, it's not just treat them as you want to be treated. It's actually treat them the way God treated you. And this is the idea of mutual submission. And mutual submission is critical to a relationship thriving and being all that God wants it to be. Because again, when we're in this transactional phase of I'll do for you, you do for me, uh, it creates the debt, the debt-debtor situation. And what we try to do is we try to win. We try to get the most transactions for our sides. And when one person wins, remember, both people lose. And last week, Paul said, we are one. And so men, you are one with your wife. So treat your wife as you would treat your very self. Because if she loses, you lose because your lives are now intertwined together. And so, ladies, treat your man the way that you want. So when I win, we will always lose. And so we got to get rid of that mindset, change our mindset, and focus on how we can approach our relationships the same way that Christ Jesus approached his relationship with us, that he didn't leverage his rights and his authorities for his own sake, but he gave them up 
and leveraged everything he had to save us. And he says, so treat others, approach your relationships the way that I approach you. So you don't owe me anything. We will submit to one another. And as we do that, I will spend the rest of my life trying to outdo you. And mutual submission, I know, it takes two. But the way scripture says, it starts with you. You go first. Even if they don't, you go first. And there's a powerful truth that begins to transform not just you, but them when you're willing to put them first and allow God to be involved in the process. And so I realize in a room this side, many of you are, you know, if you were to to check the relationship status box on your Facebook, it's going to a lot of different stories, a lot of different backgrounds, and I always want to make sure that, that I, you, no one here fear, feels like th- their situation is being minimized or that you know, what you've felt and what you've gone through uh, isn't important or relevant to your situation. But I do know that regardless of where you're at in your relationship status, that the biblical truth of God's word is if we take it and apply it to our lives, can be transformative in where we're at. And I do just want to say this today because, again, we have different people coming from different things. If you're single and you're, you're kind of waiting or maybe you're dating or uh, you're, you just got out of a, a relationship or maybe you've gone through divorce, statistics say over 50% of all marriages will end in that way. And I think it's because of, again, if we apply these truths, I think we can, we can lessen those statistics in our lives. And so, But regardless of where you've been, God is a God of the present and of the future. And so you may never, don't feel ashamed of where you've been and what you've been through. I'm not trying to minimize your hurt, but I do want to say this to you today, that wherever you're at, that time, if you're, if you're looking, if you're, if you're recently divorced, if you're trying to find, time is always on your side. Time is on your side. If you've recently come out of something, I would encourage you, don't rush into something new. Listen, people don't rush into new relationships because they're eager to give their lives away. Come on. If you, are, if you say that to me, I'd call you a liar to your face. I say, no, you're not. You're rushing because you're wanting something from them. There's something missing that you want because time is always on your side. And so if you're hoping to get something that you're not getting, the rushing into a relationship is never the answer. And so if, if things are, are, if you're waiting, I would just say, please hear me out. Just listen to your pastor. May, don't listen to anything else today. Listen to this. Time is your friend right now. So just be patient. Allow God to do what he needs to do in you. Don't rush the process. And I promise you, if you do and take care of you, God knows your heart. He knows your desires. And he will bring that and his time in your life. And so don't try to fill a void that only God can fill or rush something, allow him to do what he wants to do. So we've been talking throughout this series about our hopes, dreams, and desires, and today we're gonna really answer this question of, so what do we do with them? You're like, okay, Kyle, I get mutual submission. I gotta submit, I gotta put my desires aside, serve them, and in in that, man, a lot of times God will meet my desires, but what do I do with them in the meantime? One of Jesus' disciples, he was one of the 12 the Apostle Peter, uh, he, he gives us some insight into what to do with all of that stuff, with our hopes, dreams, and desires. And the cool thing about Peter is, is that we can all relate to this guy. 
One, he, like, he had a potty mouth, so if you kind of got a potty mouth and haven't cleaned that up yet, be like, hey, Peter, I get it, man, it's hard, right? Uh, you know, and he was just kind of like, he would always say dumb stuff. He'd catch himself in bad situations, right? And so Jesus, you know, uh, again, his disciples were confused when Jesus said, you know, we're going back to Jerusalem, we're going to establish my kingdom. They thought, like, he was going to come out and be like, bam, like, you know, pull off his cape and be like, I'm establishing my authority. And so what Jesus was going back to Jerusalem for, as we all know, was going to die, and so then they start to kind kind of figure this out, but it was hard for them to understand what Jesus would say. He was always trying to bring them along. So Peter was a lot like us, and then Peter denies Jesus. He, he, first he says, I'll die for you. I'll never let anything happen to you. And Jesus looks at him and goes, you're going to deny me three times before the day's even over. Never, Lord. And then we all know Peter denies Jesus three times. He feels like he's lost everything. The, he was, had this big vision and calling, and he blew it. He goes back to his day job. He's fishing again. We know Jesus comes back, reaffirms his calling, offers forgiveness. And then Peter goes on to dedicate his life. He's the one on the day of Pentecost that preaches the first sermon it's the part of the pastor who gets to birth the church. 3,000 people get saved, and then Peter goes on to be crucified for his faith in Jesus. And he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way as my Lord, so please do it upside down. And he gave his life. So someone who denied Jesus was then willing to die for them. And the only logical conclusion we can draw from that is because he saw Jesus predict his own death and resurrection, pull it off, and then was willing, as we all would be, to give his life for that. He knew he was God at that point. And so Peter is this guy, he writes this letter, given all the context of his, his past and where he'd been, and he, he understands the hardships, he gets what it feels like to be us and the tension of relationships, he understands all of this. And in 1 Peter 5, you can follow along in the Adventure Church app in the notes. Uh, by the way, I'd encourage you to do that. You can take notes and email them to yourself. It's a great resource for you. It'll be on the screen as well. But he says this, starting in verse 5, and you're going to know verse 6 in a second, but we've got to go backwards a little bit to get the right context this morning. Verse 5, he says this, all of you, look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Oh, man, I'm not getting off the hook here. This isn't men. This isn't women. All of you, right, clothe yourselves. So this is an action. This is a mindset. This is, this is a choice that you make. He says, clothe yourself, put on humility toward one another. So he brings it within the the context of our relationships. So in your relationships with one another, all of you clothe yourself with humility. Humility means you let them go first. You willingly go last. You put on a selfless attitude. You think of yourself less. You think of them more. You go last. They go first. In all of our relationships, in every situation, what Peter's saying here, he says, you always have to ask the question, what would a humble person do? A humble person. You guys remember the WWJD bracelets, right? It's essentially the same thing. Jesus was, was humble. We've talked about what Jesus did for us and how he loved, He gave himself for us. He willingly died for us. And so what would Jesus do in this situation that I'm in, in my relationships with other people? And we're talking specifically in this idea of our love lives and love relationships with someone. But this applies to all relationships. He says, clothe yourself with humility. He goes on. He says, because God opposes the proud. So he gives a very stern warning that God opposes proud people. 
I was talking with my kids the other night. We read this book by uh, Louis Giglio, and it's like Indescribable God Devotional for Kids. And he always brings like science into stuff. It's really cool. I would if you're a parent, check it out. Uh, I don't know the exact name of it, but my wife will tell you it. Uh, so, but we read it all the time, and it always is like saying like God created this. And there's times where it talks about like just the expansiveness of the universe. And it's like it would take you to get to this galaxy, you know, a thousand light years. So traveling thousands of miles an hour for a thousand years, you still couldn't get to where God is. Like that is the God we serve, that he is over all of that. Like that's how big God is. And I don't know about you, when I think about how big God is, I would never want to be in opposition to him. I would never want God to put his hand like this at me and go, you are a proud person. I oppose the proud. I push the proud away from me. That's a pretty stern warning. But then he goes on and he says, he gives us a promise that God gives grace to the humble. He gives favor to the humble, to those who clothe themselves in humility. You see, because opposition puts you at a distance between God, and it'll do the same thing to your relationships here. Pride puts you in opposition to God and to each other. So he says, so in light of that, humble yourself before the Lord. He gives us this warning. When you need grace and, and what the favor that he's talking about here says that when you humble yourself in a relationship, you are essentially inviting, you're giving God an invitation to give you the strength you need to do the right thing. All the stuff we've been talking about. That he'll give you the strength that you need. How many of you need some grace in your relationships today? Don't elbow anybody sitting next to you. But you need it. Maybe it's not even with them. Maybe it's with a sister or a friend. You go, man, I need God's grace. He says, okay, if you remain proud, you're, you're going to be in opposition. But if you will humble yourself, God will give you the grace and the strength that you need when it comes to our relationships. So humility invites and involves God into our lives and situation. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says it like this. Pride goes before destruction. And haughtiness before a fall. Pride will always come before the fall and the destruction of your marriage. Always. It always comes first. And some of you, I just want to be honest with you for a second this morning. When it comes to your current situation, I'm speaking specifically to married people today. There's a lot of pride in your relationship. And you haven't forgiven the debt. Well, they owe me. And I've done and they haven't. And they hurt me and, and this happened and this. And, and the debts are stacked high and, and there's pride. I'm not going to go first. I'm not going to do that. They need to do that. When they do that, then I'll do that, right? And, and the pride is there. And it's this underlying tension that's there. And I'm, I'm telling you, according to God's word, you are putting yourself in opposition to God. You're not going to have the grace to survive it. It will be the cause of the destruction of your relationship if you don't learn what it means to humble yourself. And some of you have forgotten what it means to just say, I'm sorry, just to own your part, just to ask for some forgiveness. Even if they don't deserve, just say, I'm sorry. I know you're upset. I don't really understand. But regardless, I, I definitely probably had a part. I'm sorry. I want to help. Let's figure out how we go. Like, we have to get back to a place where we're not pride. And you go, well, how do you know if, if that's me? And I'm, I'm just telling you that you're sitting there right now. And you're going, I hope he's listening. Oh, man. 
I knew he, he should have been here. I knew, why isn't she here today? Hey, how quick do they get this podcast up? Is it Sundays or Mondays? I, I got to get this thing sent out to a few people, right? And we're thinking these things. And it's funny, but the reality is, if we're thinking that way, I'm just telling you that's pride. To go, I don't need this, they need this. This isn't even for me, this is for them. That's pride. And God says, I oppose people like that. I don't give grace to people like that. Because I humbled myself. Who are you to be prideful towards me? I was God and I died for you. The creator became like his creation and willingly gave his life. And he says, who are you to be proudful towards me? I oppose you. Get away from me. Come on, that's hard. I know it's hard, but that's the reality of what Peter's saying there. It's pride. So Peter says, you gotta be humble. Act like he is more important than you. Act like she is the most important person in the room. Act like her opinion matters more than anyone else's. Act like she's right. And you're wrong in every decision, every single day, all the time. Respond like they are more valuable than you. That's humility. Clothe yourself in it, he said. Put it on when it comes to your relationships. He goes on, he says, so therefore, since you know this, humble yourselves, therefore. So I'm telling you, God opposes you if you're proud. He gives grace to you if you're humble. So humble yourself. Don't be proud. Humble yourself. And he says, when you do, you will be under God's mighty hand. Think about that. I just talked a second ago how big God is, right? Think about that. You want protection in your life? He says, when you humble yourself, God doesn't stiff arm you. He puts you under his hand. You be, he, he's your protection. And then he says, he also will become your provision. Humble yourselves under God's hand so that he may lift you up in due time. He will lift you up. He will meet your desires. He will do what you need him to do. But first, you got to come under. you got to submit to his protection. And then when you do, it says he will lift you up. He becomes your provision. You want his protection. You want his provision in your relationships. We all want that. Peter's giving us the way to do it. And then he gets to this verse that we have all heard before. Many of us. Shouldn't say all. But most of us have probably heard this. And gives us the practical instructions. Now, in light of this, in light of what he says, in our relationships, be humble. Don't be proudful. God opposes that. You want God to help you? He opposes that, but he provides and his provision, protection, when you humble yourself and clothe yourself in humility. And then he says this in verse 7, so then cast all your anxiety on him. And a lot of times we hear this and we, and, and we preach this. Like, right, and we go, well, if I'm scared, if I'm worried, man, I can give that to God. God doesn't want me to be anxious about my health and my family and these things. It says, so, so we, we, we give our fears and our worries to God, and we should definitely do that. But the context here, the anxiety in the Greek, actually when you break it down, can be concerns. And then it goes to another direction. It says, or eager desires. That the anxiety you feel or the desires that you have that aren't being met. The eager desires that you have. And so he says, when it comes to your hopes, dreams, and desires, he says, cast them on to the Lord. You give those to God. You humble yourself, and then he says, you cast to God. And this word literally means to throw it, to fling it, to get it off of you, to get it on to God. Cast it off. Get it on God. Think about that. 
to, to not wait, to not delay, to cast all of it onto him. Your dreams, your desires, your frustrations, the letdowns, the hurts, the debt, all of it, you take it to God. You give it to him. And I want to encourage you today that some of you, you need to learn how to pray. Not polite prayers, not formal prayers, but real and honest prayers. Because prayer is the conveyor belt that unloads it off of you and transfers it onto God. That's how you cast off. You, you cast it to God. You unload it onto him. So you take it to him and you let him begin to do what he's doing. But you need to pray honest prayers that will carry your burdens to God. That's what it is. God already knows what your hopes, dreams, and desires are. It's not for, for him to hear it. It's for you to unload it. To lay it, let it go. Lay it down. And our posture is so important to God's provision in our lives. It's the posture, right? We just said this. He opposes the proud. He provides for the humble. Provision, protection, the promotion. He lifts you up. All of those things come from humility. And Peter is talking within the context of our relationships. And so he's saying you have two options. It's the same word. You can bow your chest to God. You can bow your chest in relationship and create opposition. Or you can bow your knee to God. You get a choice. What are you going to do? You're going to bow up? You're going to flex on them? Or are you going to bow your knee? You're going to take it to God. You're going to prayer. Posture is so important in our relationships with each other and with God. And Peter is saying, listen, you're always going to be tempted to take it to them first. Whoever offended you, whoever's hurting you, whoever's doing you can take it to them. But he says, before you take it to them, you better take it to him. Take it to him first. Unload on them. A couple years ago, we were going on vacation, and we were flying somewhere and renting a car, and so our kids were smaller. We had strollers. We had bags. We had car seats, right? And we're getting dropped off. We're unloading all of it onto the curb at the airport, and they have this thing that's called, like, you know, curbside check-in or, like, you know, courtesy guys that are there with carts. And as soon as they see someone like me, they're like, hey, you need some help, sir. And I'm like, no, I'm a man. I don't need your help. Just as like, I'm like, this costs us five bucks. This guy, we got to tip this guy. Like, look, I can see Southwest check-in. It's right there. What? We don't need his help. So I carry all the bags. I got a stroller with one hand, a car seat strapped over, pulling a suitcase. Jess is doing the same thing. Riley has to push her own suitcase. Like, keep up. Come on, you know. And by the time I got to where we were checking in, I thought, I would have given that guy 50 bucks. Because pride in me made me unwilling to let him help me with my baggage. And God is saying, you need to humble yourself. You can't handle it on your own. What you feel, what's there, you can't handle it. So humble yourself. Clothe yourself in humility. And bring all that stuff to me. Bring it to me first. Let God help you with your baggage. He can handle it. You can't handle it. So you have to unload it, and I'm telling you, you need to unload it out loud to God. You need to say it. You need to literally let it go out of your mouth. Out loud. So get somewhere private, right? I know some of you are thinking, like he said, unload it out loud. So if they're in the other room, and I begin to unload, God, you know what they need. You know what I'm struggling with. 
You hear me? Right? That's not what I'm saying. But you literally get alone with God. We've been in this 21 days of prayer and fasting where we've been, hopefully, if you've read through these devotions, it wasn't just, hey, here's a devotion for that. It was teaching you what it means to pray, what it means to seek God, what it means to have a relationship with him. And he says, listen, bring all that to me first. Before you take it to them, take it to him. I can handle it. Bring it to me. Unload it out out loud to me. Let it all go. The prayer is the conveyor belt. Stop praying polite and formal prayers. You don't need all the these and thous and oh, the God. No, just be real with God. He can handle it. He already knows how you feel. So communicate with God. The band's coming. We're going to close out. But see, Peter took this idea of casting our cares from one of David's psalms. And David, as you know, was the guy who killed Goliath, he was the greatest king in Israel's history. He was, you know, this, this superhero of faith. You know, he's just someone that literally has gone down as the greatest king ever in Israel, respected. He was a man after God's own heart. And we kind of get a peek in in Psalm 55 of, of, of a conversation that he was having with God about a relationship that he had and he comes to God, and we see this, this honesty and this realness. And today, I just want you to kind of sit in and imagine like David's, you're hearing David unload on God. And, and listen to how he prays to God. Starting in verse 12. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide it. But it is you. A man like myself, my companion and my close friend. So he's saying, a foreign, he's a king. Remember, if one of my enemies was coming against me, I would get it. But you were my boy. We were close. You were my companion. You were my friend. Listen, he goes on. He says, you were my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship in the house of God. We went to church together. We were in life group together. How could you do this to me? This is his heart, this is what he's saying. He goes, we walked among other worshipers. We were in community of faith together. And then let's just, let's see how real he gets. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil finds lodging among them. But for me, I call out to God and the Lord say, that isn't nice, is it? God, may that, that person who hurt me, may you take them down alive to the realm of the dead, right? He says, but for me, man, I'm going to do the only thing I know to do when I feel like this. I call out to God. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears me. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them, he will humble them because they have no fear of God. They are putting themselves in opposition to God. He's realizing, he says, my companion attacks his very friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken. He will never let those respond in humility, who respond in the right way, be forsaken. But you, oh God, will bring down the wicked. It's up to you how you deal with them, God. It's not for me. 
the bloodthirsty, the deceitful will not live out half of their days. But as for me, God, I will trust in you. Listen, there ain't nothing polite or nice about that, is there? It was real and it was honest. And David says, this is how you unload. This is how you let God straighten you up. You see, a lot of times in our relationships, we take this to them. How could you do this? What else am I going to have to do? And the conflict and the tension is there. And God goes, listen, no, before you ever take it to them, there may need to be a conversation. There may need to be some things confronted in the relationship. But before you take it to them, you bring it to me. Because when you take it to him, what you're going to find is, is the miracle he'll do, it won't be in them. It'll be in you. You'll start to see from a different perspective. You'll start to view them through a different lens. Maybe you'll start to see my hopes, my dreams, my desires. They aren't really as realistic as I thought. And I was putting things on you that that I was wanting from my past. I was projecting things, whatever it may be. God will begin to do the work in you. Even if you're wrong, even if you've been misguided, God says, bring it to me because I can handle it. And when you let me handle it, I will also handle you. I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the humble. So bring it to me. Bring it. I can handle it. So bring it. Me first. Bring it to me. And you'll see what God does. You see, again, we want to do the opposite. But if you take it to him first, watch how he'll calm you down. Watch how his spirit will overcome your flesh. Watch how the anger and the the temperatures will drop. And you'll begin to have a conversation that will be productive and not destructive. Because God gives grace to the humble. So he says, cast all of it on me. Because... I care for you. I care about what you care about. God cares about your hopes, dreams, and desires. So he says, bring it to me. Let me handle it. Let me be a part of this. If it's important to you, he says, it's important to me. So bring it to me. Let me handle it. Peter knew God could handle it, and he learned that from first experience. Remember, he denied him. He betrayed him. And then he experienced with humility. God said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, God, I love you. He humbled himself before Jesus, and Jesus gave grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And Peter went on to dedicate his life to help birth the church that you and I are a part of today. And then died for his faith in Jesus. So he says, humble yourself before God. Clothe yourself in humility. Put it on every day. You have to. You need him. Take it to him. Cast it all on him. Before you take it to them, take it to him. Say yes to God's invitation. Involve them in the process of your relationships. And just see 